This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. And what I'm going to be sharing with you right now also, it's not something that I only studied and got yesterday. It's something that I've spent the last 15, 20 years studying and understanding and working on. Because at times, our minds needs to be given some time to actually accept some facts. There are some things that we can accept easily, but there are some things that it takes a while. But the beautiful thing is that it sparks some questions in your mind, and you start to ask those questions for clarification. You don't ask those questions to criticize, but rather you ask those questions to clarify. You know, the same questions that you ask can be applied for criticism. Same question. It's just a mindset. We started off something on Friday, and uh, it's a series. Don't rush it. Salah. Now, in, in the book of Psalm, there is an accidental word that comes up every now and again, especially when the writer of that particular chapter wants you to think about a word. And it's the word S-E-L-A-H, Selah. And what it means is, don't hurry over it. Ponder on this. So every scripture we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be looking at it in detail. What does it mean? Why was it written? Is it written for me? And what we found out on Friday is that the scripture calls us the blessed ones. The blessed ones. And today, I'm going to be taking you through your new citizenship. You know, a few weeks ago, we kind of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we kind of scripted a little bit and looked at it and go, yeah, we belong to a new citizen, but, uh, to a new country, a new kingdom. But today, we want to know what's the name of your new kingdom. It's got a name. Australians know we are from Australia. Americans know we are Americans. Indians. Someone said Nigerians. <laughs> but, but they know. And when you ask people, what's your background? They tell you. They're not ashamed about it. They tell you. As Christians, when we ask you, what's your background? What would you say? I'm Australian. <laughs> I know. But now that you're a new creation, what's your background? And I want us to go through that today. So let's go again from where we stopped on Friday, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And let's just have a look at that very quickly. Say, praise be to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. He said, he has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. In other words, all spiritual blessings in Christ. He's blessed us. So we're blessed. We're blessed in Christ. And the reason why we are blessed is because we are in Christ. So go listen to Friday's uh, um, you know, message. It kind of defines it a little bit, what this blessing is and why it's spiritual blessing and how it has impact on our physical lives. 
Amen. All right. The other part I want to show you is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And just before we go there, let's have a look at Galatians chapter 3 also, verse 6. So let's start from Galatians. Galatians 3, verse 6, it says, So Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What did he do? That's all he did. Did he say he worked and worked and worked until he found his righteousness? No. He said he believed God. God said something to him, and he believed Genesis chapter 12, God gave him a six, six or seven-fold blessing. He said, Abraham, I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then he went ahead to say a few other things about him. And all he said to him was, Abraham, I want you to leave your country where you were born and go to a place that I will show you. And probably the question was, so where is the place? And God is saying, I'm not telling you, but just start going. Interestingly, Abraham packed everything that he had. His people, his wife, no child, but he had a nephew, Lot. Do you want to come? And the Bible later tells us that the number of people that actually went with Abraham from the land of Ur to wander about wherever God had called him, was 120 people. 120 following a path they know not. So can you see why he says here in verse 6 again? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him. He believed God. God says, I will do this and I will do that. And, and this is someone who he couldn't see. The only way he could perceive that it was God was just through God's voice talking to him. And back then, not so much he could really get from, because he didn't have someone who walked with him and said, hey, Abraham, have you seen what I've done? And you could have said, well, at least Abraham knew he parted you know, the sea and did so many other things. No, it was not before then. It was after actually, after Abraham that there were those miracles in Egypt. So there was nothing particularly to say to Abraham, Abraham, you remember that God that did this and did that? No, Abraham was just walking by faith. Someone said, pack your stuff. Let's find someone who we can say to pack their stuff, okay? And he's saying, pack your stuff and go to Jake. You want to pack your stuff and go to Uganda, but interestingly, I've specified where you're going. But for Abraham, there was no specifics. He's just saying, pack your stuff and start going. And Alicia is going to be going, so where are we going? Where are we going? Say, I heard God. What did God say to you? Okay, tell God to tell me too. We've got kids in school. What are we going to do? We've got a house mortgage to pay. We've got this to do. We've got work. So what are we going to do? What work are we going to be working? What are we going to be doing? It's okay. I just love God. I believe what he said to me. I know he's able to do so many things for us. Come on. Let's just do this. Now, Alicia might just be thinking, 
Uh, I knew this was coming. We need to pray about you, Jake. It's getting too bad. I don't know. Probably that was where Abraham was at. Who knows what Sarah said? The Bible didn't record it. But I do believe that to, to some extent, Sarah was so understanding. I went, you want to go? Let's do it. I trust you. I believe you. And I'm thinking, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to let us, you know, to get us to process why that was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. He had no clue where he was going. So verse 7, it says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. In other words, those who are stupid. It's true, because sometimes there are some things that we do that makes no human sense. It does, it's not rational. But we just hear from God, God, do you want us to do this? He gives us the peace in our heart. The Holy Spirit is telling us in our heart that this is good. Just do it. And we're thinking, so where is the money coming from? So where is the, the, the people coming from? So what is going to happen? It just says, but I said to do it. Just do it. And we go, okay, we're going to do it. And when, then we trust. He said, those kind of people are the true, true children of Abraham. And if they are the two children of Abraham, guess what? They become the heir of Abraham's promises. So the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with, the, with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is not based on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. So what is it saying? The one who thinks that what they do will make God um, love them more. So you're walking under the law. Because faith is not by what you do, it's by what you believe. It's by what you believe. And he said the law is not based on faith. So it's almost saying um, a rational way of thinking is not based on faith as well. It's not based on faith. Because if it makes sense to you, then that's no longer faith. If you can figure out how I want you to do a particular thing, that's no longer faith. Are you still here? Yeah. It's true. There are some people who says, oh, well, I dreamt yesterday and I saw Jesus in my dream. And Jesus said, hey, I love you. I want you uh, in my family. Come on, come on, come on. And then they woke up and said, I want to be a Christian. That is not faith. It's because you saw Jesus. Are you still here? Yeah. That's not faith. It's because Jesus revealed himself to you. But for those of you, how many of you have seen Jesus and then he said, you need to become a Christian? How many of you? No one. Thank God. These are the ones that I'm talking to. These are the ones who are working in faith. Because you've not seen him, yet you believed. Amen. That's what Jesus said to Thomas. Thomas, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the inner carcass guys of Jesus, Thomas. He had worked with Jesus for three and a half years. And Jesus even said, I'll die and wake up in three days. But Thomas saw Jesus killed, crucified, 
and buried. He thought, that guy is gone. What about what he said? No, he's gone. Then Jesus, or rather disciples, came around and told Thomas, come on, we saw him. I said, no, that guy really died. He died. I said, but we saw him. He said, not until I see the marks on his hands and the, uh, the spare uh, marks on his ribs. So I wouldn't believe. And while he was still talking, Jesus appeared and said, peace be upon you. And called out to Thomas, Thomas, here's my hand. You want to touch it? You want to put your fingers through it? Here's my side as well that was pierced with despair. Do you want to touch it? And silly Thomas actually went and touched. <laughs> and went, my Lord and my God, I believe now. So, mm. Then Jesus said, blessed are those who have not yet seen me, but believe. And that's where we belong. We've not seen him, but we believe. For some of us, we started off with our parents telling us about Jesus, taking us to Sunday school. And for some of us, we grew up and started thinking, well, that was what our parents used to do. I don't believe anymore. I used to be a Christian. I'm no longer a Christian. And then walked and did your own thing for a while until Jesus caught you again. And then now you're back. This is your second life. Don't blow it again. All right? But now you're back. Now it's time for you to know for yourself. No longer what your parent taught you or what your parent exposed you to. It was beautiful that you were exposed to it, but it's now you need to learn for yourself. Hallelujah. All right. Hebrews 11. Now at the moment, I'm just talking about the faith that actually keeps people working in God. Um, the faith is kind of a blind idea. You don't know what's at the back of it, but you just kind of follow it. So e Hebrews 11 tells us what this faith, faith is. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It said, this is what the ancients were, was commended for. Uh, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, now let's count the people. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. All right. By faith, number two, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God by faith. That second person. First person was who? Abel. Second? Enoch. All right. Now, in verse 6, it's starting to define what faith is and what faith is not. He said, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, consistently, continually seek him. So in other words, God rewards those who are committed to him. He rewards those who are committed to him. Say so by faith, the third person, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, 
How lovely. In holy fear, built an act to save his family. By his, by his faith, he condemned the world. Who condemned the world? Oh, don't forget now. Let's read it again. Let's read it again. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world. Who condemned the world? Noah. Noah. In another translation, it said, once Noah con uh, completed the building of the ark, the world was condemned. And God said to, to Noah, build an ark, and this is how big it's going to be, and how large and how tall, and so on and so forth. And Noah had caught people, let's do this, because something is about to happen. And he didn't believe him. So he went ahead and built. You see, this building was not one day. It was not two days. It lasted years. At some point, I would think, that I would have been thinking, God, should I still keep going? Because it doesn't seem like anything is going to happen yet. Do you know how God gives us a promise? And between when he says something to you, and whilst you're working... Working on that promise, it doesn't seem like anything is happening. You're thinking, so what's happening now? So what's happening? Are you, are you going to do this or not? You know, are, are you doing this? And it took him years to build the ark. And when he completed the ark, the very moment he completed the ark, the fate of the world was sealed. And if he had not completed the ark, nothing would have happened. Because the promise was in the doing. Amen. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness as keeping in with faith. By faith, Abraham, that's number five, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Listen to this. It said, by faith, we already talked about Abraham in a sense. It said, by faith, when, he, when Abraham was called to go to a place he would later receive, he didn't know that he was going to receive it. In Genesis chapter 12, you realize that when God said to Abraham, go and I will bless you and make your name great. I, you know, I will curse them that curse you, bless them that bless you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The Bible says Abraham went. Okay? Abraham went. When he got to Canaan, he paused for a while in Canaan. He settled for a while, built an altar to God. At that point, when he built an altar to God in Canaan, that was when God came back to him and said, this land I will give to you and your seed after you. You see, at times, the working, the promise, is not fulfilled until you actually step out. You step out in faith. The guy stepped out. And at times, God is watching. You know, the, my, my thought about this scripture is also, you realize, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, the Bible tells us about Abraham's father. His name was Terah. Abraham's father and his two sons, um, Abraham and Haran, set off with all their belongings to go from their own city where they were born, to Canaan, all right? But when they got to Haran, he stopped. Pay attention. When they got to Haran, he stopped, built a tent, rested there. They never got to Canaan. 
So my, my thought around that also is, who knows? If it was Abraham's father that God first came to and said, go to a land that I will show you, or rather go to Canaan, and they set off to Canaan, but when they got distracted in the way, they stopped, built a tent, and settled. How many of us are like that in our lives? Where you've been told to do something, and halfway through something, someone else, a particular activity, distracts you, and all of a sudden you're thinking, probably this is where God is taking me to. You see, when you say probably, you are not sure. So probably this is it. Probably, because everything, everything is here. And God did not come back to that family until the death of Terah. Terah, Abraham's father, had to die for God to come back because he knows that whilst this guy is still alive, he will be the influence that ties this family down. How many people do we have in our lives that are influential to the point that they are influential uh, to your own demise? They're influential to your own demise that you, you don't know what to do. But you're just sitting there and then they're always telling you this is what you've got to do. This is what you've got to do. And because they are very influential in your life, they are the only people you go for, for help. And at times you never move forward while those people are in your life. Until you go, hey, we've done life together for a while. Really like it. However, I think it's time to move on. I'm not, I'm not saying to my wife. <laughs> but, but at times, there are people in your life that you just need to give the permission to move on. Even if you are losing. Even if you feel like, well, you know, they're going to take everything. Let them take it. It's okay. Let them take it. Let them take it. It's okay. Are you still here? Another person like that was Lot. Because when finally, in chapter 12, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you and your family to move to a place that I will show you. Guess who Abraham took along? He took his niece or his nephew along, Lot. So, but that was family, yeah, extended. He took Lot along. And of course, he had every reason to take Lot along because Lot's father had died earlier. So he took Lot, Lot along. Say, you're a family now. And of course, another reason was, I don't have a son. I don't have a child. So you look like a child. You act like a child, so you're a child. And took him along. But guess what? Halfway through, Lot's family became a problem in Abraham's family. And between when God said to Abraham, come on. Go to the land that I will show you, and until Lot left, God didn't come back to speak to Abraham. Why? Because Lot, although he was younger, was very influential. But at some point, Abraham had to say to Lot, Lot, we are brothers. We are related. But your family, your servants, are always at, you know, grievance with my own servants that we are now kind of you know, fighting over property? Man, it's okay wherever you want to go. You go a lot. It's okay. Do you know why he spoke like that? Because he knew he was the blessing. Regardless of where you leave him, he's the blessing. So he said, Lord, wherever you want to go, 
And the Bible tells us that Lot looked at the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was lovely. It was a beautiful land, beautiful space. We got Abraham, yeah, if you don't mind, yeah, I'll go that way. Abraham went, it's okay, you go. So Lot packed his things and went to the beautiful side of the country. And Abraham remained. Guess what? Uh, the city that was born later, Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot went to. But what I'm trying to say to you is this. Up until the very minute that Lot left Abraham, where Abraham decided, you know what, it's time to move on, Lot. God did not come back to him to speak to him. But just the night after Lot had left, God came back to speak to him. And said, hey, Abraham, I am your... Um, I'm your, your seed. I can't remember the word. That's not what we're studying. But it says, Genesis 13, 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and to the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I'll give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust, then your offspring can, could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron. So what's God saying here? God said to Abraham, where did Lot, Lot go? He said, he went this way. He said, okay. But now you look towards the north, towards the south, towards the east and the west, including where Lot went said, I'll give it to you. Are you still here? Yes. So at times, it's important Amen. to just go, you know what? This business is not working. I've been struggling with it. Let's cut ties. It's okay. Move on. That's not to say that I'm, I'm giving up or throwing in the towel. When it's not working, know when the use-by date is. Move on. Can I say that again? Move on. I'm not sure who I'm talking to. Because there are some of you, every time you say, God, I, I, you know, God, I want to do something great for you. The person in your life is going, we can't commit that much. We can't do that much. You know, just say to God, you know, you baby steps. How about baby steps? God likes baby steps. However, however you don't grow very quickly. You grow like a baby. <laughs> Hebrews. Chapter 11 again. I think we are in verse 7. Now verse 8. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How lovely. Say, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city, and this is the part that gets me all the time. Whilst he was going, he even got to Canaan, and God said, I will give this place to you and to your seed. He said, thank you, God, but he kept going. And now the Bible is saying, for he was looking forward to the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. So what he was looking for was not something physical. He was looking for something that was much more. He had a foresight. 
He had a foresight. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. In other words, if God says it, I believe it. And that settles it. Has God ever spoken to you and you're going, so how's it going to work? So how's it going to work? No, it doesn't make sense. It's better when it doesn't make sense, you know? It's better when it doesn't make sense. And if I were you, I would just stick to it. Stick by it. And you know what? What doesn't make sense, no matter who you tell, they will not agree with you unless otherwise they're working by faith too. Verse 13. Now, you see, all these people that we mentioned before, you see, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Actually, can we do, um, okay, let's do New Living Translation. All these people died still believing. They died still believing what God had promised them. They did not. That's the part that surprises me more. They did not receive what was promised. Why? I'll tell you in a minute. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Right? And then he says, if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, of course. But they were looking forward to another country. All right? But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. A heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And in King James Version, he called him his only begotten son. Are you still here? All right. Now, Abraham offered his only begotten son. And God looked at Abraham and thought, you could do that. I'm going to do that too. Abraham did not withhold anything from God. And God is saying, I need your seed. I need your people. But I want them to do it this way. But I want you to do something for me. Offer your only begotten son. And Abraham did not withhold anything from God. And God thought, you know what? I'm giving my best. And sent Jesus to us. All right. Let's leave that. So even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But Abraham gave him up anyway. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back again to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Uh, It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, you see, we're still counting, Enoch, Abel, Joseph, and so on and so forth. So it was by faith, even if he commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Verse 23, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given him an unusual child. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. How interesting. Someone was born in the king's palace. And just by faith, he's thinking, no, not the people in this palace that are my people. My people are those ones suffering. I'd rather suffer with them. By faith. How many of us will do that today? Say, your real father is there. Say, oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, I like where I am. You know, at times, because where we found ourselves seems to be better. But by faith, 
by faith. He said he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. So the reward was not what he was seeing. His, the reward was not what he could see in the natural. He was looking for something bigger and better. So it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep this Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they, it was on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. By faith. Are we still following it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, who? The prostitute. Who? The prostitute. So the prostitute could have faith. Are you still here? All right, so don't rule out everyone because God died for all of them. Okay? Amen. So it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome. To despise. That's a big story. All right. 30, 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God has promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. Are you still here? Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. By faith. Okay, hear this. Women receive their loved ones back again from dead. In other words, they, these are women. They're going, you're dying? No, not today. You're coming back to life. You remember that woman who ran back to Elisha and said, I didn't ask for a son, but you've given me a child, and the child is dead. You've got to do something about it. And Elisha came back, traveled many hours, came back and ensured that the child came back to life. Why? Because mom would not agree. Mom would not permit for the child to die. Say, I didn't ask, but you said, I can have him, and now he is here, he's dead, you've got to bring him back to life. And there were so many other stories like that. He said, but by faith, women received their long loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Are you still here? Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They were too good for this world. The King James Version said the world was not worthy of them. Too good for this world. Wandering over desert and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, listen, all these people earned good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Did you see that? If you stopped your reading there, you go, so what's the need? What the need is the next verse. Because the reason why they did not receive all that God has promised is because for God has something better in mind for us. Yeah. Say us. us. 
because he's no longer talking about those people. He's now talking about us. Are you still here? So he said, for God has something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Are you still here? Because there's something better that has been planned for you and I. And all of those people went through all that journey in preparation for you and I. But God wouldn't perfect them until we come to the stage. Are you still here? Chapter 12, verse 15. So here it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Say, look after each other, would you? Look after each other. Say, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. All right? Say to someone, did you hear that? All right? Look after each other. Say, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. He said, you know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. We talked about that two weeks ago. He said, you have not come to a physical mountain. This is where I'm taking you to. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and wild wind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. He said, they have heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They were so freaked out. Back then, when God spoke, the mountain spokes. Tons arose. So they got so freaked out. So they staggered back under God's command. That the, God, the command was this. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. That was how holy the mountain became. All right. Find this. So Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. Verse 22. No, you have come to where? Mount Zion. Are you still here? He said, you have come to Mount Zion. This is where you now belong. Say to someone, this is where you now belong. Okay, Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heaven of Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Now, see, see your neighbors, all right? Your new neighbors is no longer uh, the, the trouble that you are encountering. Your new neighbors are who? Verse 22 again. Say, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels. To countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. 23, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. He said, that's where you are. That's not where you are coming to. No, that's where you have come to. Are, are you still here? And I'm saying this so that you understand where you now belong. Don't think you are on your own. Don't think you are on your own. You've come to Mount Zion. There are a few other things that we could go through, but our time is way up. But you've come to Mount Zion, and this is just an introduction, introducing you to your new city. All right. And if you can go back home and study um, Psalm chapter 87. Say, God loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling of Jacob. Say, he loves the gates of Zion. Say, it will be said that this person and that person was born in there. And in Mount Zion, that's where we become Christians. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. There's a new city where you are a citizen. You don't need the paperwork. You don't need to carry your passport every now and again to show that you are a citizen. No, you are already born in here. And that is Mount Zion. You've come to the city of God. And can I say to you, the more you identify yourself as God's child, the more the devil will look at you and know you are a no-go zone. 
It's true. And regardless of what is going on in your life, give it back to God. Say, God, you know what? I'm your child now, and these things shouldn't be happening. Jesus said of the woman, he said, she also is the daughter of Abraham. She ought to enjoy the health and wealth of Abraham. So you are the son and daughter of Abraham. You ought to enjoy the health and wealth of Abraham. And regardless of what is going on, let the devil know who you are now. You say, hey, the person you used to know died with Christ. The new one now is risen with Christ. And it belongs in the city of God. In the name of Jesus. Can you just close your eyes? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for what you do and how you do them. Thank you for showing us in your word that we can walk by faith regardless of what is happening in our lives. That we can walk by faith knowing fully well that you are there to guide us. We might not see where we are going yet, but we trust, oh God, that what you said will come to pass. We trust that you are leading us by yourself. And we ask, oh God, that whatever is happening in our lives will not only just disappear, but it will recognize that we belong to you now. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com. Or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.